Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. A podcast looking back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. I'm Heather. And I'm Jonathan. And we are your co-hosts. This podcast is part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network. Hey friends, welcome back. So we're we're in the middle of our series on Between the Testaments. I'm kind of going over this period of the Maccabees, Greek Hellenism, you know, we've talked about uh, the Apocrypha, and we're going we're gonna to kind of hone in more on, on this period today. And so Heather actually uh, has been reading some great material on this period of kind of the, the rise of, of Greek Hellenism in Judea, um, and she's going to lead us through a little bit more of that today. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Hasmonean dynasty, but for our friends out there who are celebrating Passover week, Y'all, as Jonathan and I just talked about in the pre-show, you can go get your pizza real soon. Okay, just hang in there. Actually, by the time this episode airs, Jonathan, you will have delightfully enjoyed your delicious pizza. Yeah, yeah, I've got uh, I've got about 24 hours, 24 hours. I think I'll make it. <laughs> the countdown begins, right? Yep. I'm sure your your five. I'm sure your five kids are ready for pizza too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. They were already complaining that they had to get the salad at, at lunch today instead of the uh, sandwich. So that's so sad. So the Hasmonean period um, lasted a number of years right after the Maccabean revolt. So the Hasmonean dynasty uh, went from like somewhere around 142 BC to around 63 BC, uh, and it started off pretty good, just as most things do. But it kind of went sour, and um, so. What I'm hoping our listeners are going to learn today is they're going to learn a little bit about how a couple of different religious sects came to be, those being the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Uh, we learned that um, the Pharisees are actually kind of a, um, a baby, if you will, um, a child of what was the group called the Hasidim. So the Hasidim was formed during this time of the Maccabean re- revolt, and then uh, the Pharisees became a, an actual religious sect within the time of the Hasmonean dynasty. I've read some sources saying around somewhere around 130 BC. And so uh, during this time, uh, there was a man named John Hyrcanus who became high priest, who was the first guy of the Hasmonean dynasty to become high priest. And so, however, there was a prominent Pharisee named Eliezer who thought that he had heard rumor that, um, John Hyrcanus's mom had been held captive by the Greeks, and therefore maybe he wasn't quite a full-blooded Jew. So we got to hang on to that because it's important, okay? So um, during Hyrcanus's reign, Antiochus IV comes in with guns blazing, ready to overtake Jerusalem. And after about a year-long siege, Hyrcanus surrenders control of Jerusalem to the Greeks, and now Jerusalem would become under Seleucid control. And surprisingly, Hyrcanus offered aid to Antiochus and joined him on a campaign against the Parthians. Uh, Antiochus's army had decided one Sabbath to attack the Parthians, and since it was the Sabbath, uh, Hyrcanus and his people decided to sit that one out. And actually, this is when Antiochus was killed, and much of his army was wiped out as well. So things start out semi-okay, as I said, for Hyrcanus. Uh, in fact, he actually had a good relationship with the Pharisees, um, a group that was completely a- opposed to Hellenism. Josephus calls them the party of the people, right? And so the split was essentially between this idea of, okay, are we going to follow Greek Hellenism 
or are we going to live as a separate people, right? The, the name Pharisee itself means to be separate, right? And so, um, so Hyrcanus kind of goes with the Pharisees for a bit. Um, but then, uh, do you remember our friend Eliezer that I talked about earlier? Well, he uh, confronts Hyrcanus and uh, says, hey, um, I heard a rumor that your mom was held captive by the Greeks. Uh, are you sure that your dad is a Jew? And he's like, what? How dare you? He's insulted like pretty much anybody else would be, right? And so he hasn't flogged. Um, he has Eliezer flogged and doesn't have him killed. But essentially that's when Hyrcanus goes, peace out, Pharisees. And he joins forces with the Sadducees. So John dies and his arrogant son, Aristobulus, takes over. And quite frankly, Aristobulus is a little bit messed up in the head, okay? See, he's super paranoid that somebody's going to overtake his throne, which is so similar to Herod the Great that we're going to be talking about here in the next couple of weeks, that he trusts no one except for his brother Antigonus. Um, But so kind of before we get to that part about Antigonus, what he does is that he starts to imprison many people in his family, one person being his mom, and in the resource that I was reading, we learned that he actually uh, lets his mother starve to death. And so um, he becomes severely ill. Uh, he tells his guards, hey, look, I'm ill. If Antigonus shows up armed, kill him right away. The only brother that he trusts, right? Well, Antigonus gets this new sweet set of armor. And he's like, I gotta go show my brother my new set of armor. And because Instagram wasn't around and he couldn't see that his brother was planning to kill him if he showed up wearing an armor, um, he shows up and the guards kill him. And so his his reign actually only lasted about a year. Uh, he died from some sort of bloody, painful intestinal disease. So then Aristobulus' oh, wife... Really, yeah, go ahead. Really, really quick. Um, Antigonus, not only did uh, Aristobulus have him killed, right, but he had yeah. him murdered during Sukkot. Right. During the Feast of, of Tabernacles is the timing of when he had him killed. Um, and I believe it's Josephus says that basically right as he was dying, um, Aristobulus, who again, like you said, he, he's sick, he, illness, right? He was, he was dying. Yeah. Um, he basically admits that that's God's punishment for the fact that he murdered his yeah. brother. Right. Right. Which again, that also is very similar to, as we'll get to with Herod, Mm-hmm. Right. That that's sort of like, yeah. oh, maybe maybe I'm dying from this terrible sickness because of the terrible things that I've done. Right. Yeah. Maybe God so. is judging me for the things that I've done that have been harmful to people and not helpful. Right. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out, Jonathan. So so then Aristobulus's wife appoints Janius as the next ruler. Uh, here's the crazy thing. Right. So John Hyrcanus had a son that he didn't like. And that was Janus. <laughs> Okay, and so what he decides to do is because he has a dream, Hyrcanus has a dream that his son Janius would become the next ruler in his place. And so he banishes his son to the Galilee where he would live. And then obviously because Aristobulus, you know, he killed pretty much most everybody. He gets called back to um, to rule in Aristobulus's place. So Janus wasn't necessarily the best ruler. He despised the Pharisees. And once as he was serving as high priest during the Feast of Tabernacles, instead of pouring the sacred water on the altar, he pours it on his feet. And so those watching are horrified and they start throwing their branches at him that they had to observe the feast with. 
And so Janice uh, asks his guard to restore order, and um, it says that they attacked and killed 6,000 Jews that day. And so, obviously, things were not under a good order during Janice's rule. In fact, there came a time later when the Jews rebelled a bit against him, just like every other terrible leader in history, it seems like. And so he held a banquet and invited some of his closest friends so they could watch 800 Pharisees be crucified. And on top of that, as these men were being crucified, he had their wives and children brought before them and had their throats slit in front of them. And so Janice would die from an alcohol-related illness um, after that. And so here's the crazy thing, Jonathan, and you probably know this because you're a smart man. But so then would come Salome Alexandra, the wife of Janice, and she would become queen. However, since she was a woman, she couldn't serve as high priest. But she was smart enough to apologize to the Pharisees for her husband's ill and poor behavior, and they actually accepted her apology. And in fact, there was about nine years of her reign, and things were fairly peaceful because, you know, we women, we like to keep the peace. <laughs> and so, so, but, so because she couldn't serve as high priest or a military leader, she, um, would put in charge her son Aristobulus in the military and then her son Hyrcanus as high priest. And when she died, um, there would be a great power struggle between those two. And in fact, that power struggle would bring about um, the fall of the Hasmonean dynasty. And Rome would come in taking advantage of the conflict between the two brothers. And they actually take over Jerusalem in 63 BC, ending the Hasmonean dynasty. And so as, as we contemplate all of this and we look at the history of the Jewish people, we can see where the Pharisees come from. We can see what the Sadducees are all about. And we can see that um, power in the hands of people who aren't quite ready for it can be deeply destructive. I mean, I'm just honestly, I'm just kind of blown away by the actions of those who served as high priests, those who are supposed to be people leading others into the presence of God. And there's death and murder and wrongful treatment, starving your own mother, you know, slitting the throats of, of wives and children in front of their own people and uh, their own um, fathers. And, and I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, wow, we have an important role to play as ministers of the gospel, as those who serve in youth ministry or serve in some other capacity in the church to bring people into the presence of God. And we should do well to make sure as, as the, the, the priests were required by the law to purify ourselves, to go before God and to sanctify and prepare ourselves to usher people into God's presence. It seemed as though the, the role of high priests during that time was more about um, the honor of oneself than it was necessarily about ushering in the presence of God. And could it be that maybe part of the reason why that time God was so silent was because maybe the people were so distant? However, I guess, really, if you look at the history of the Jewish people, that happens quite a bit. But but there could quite possibly be, be a connection because I, I see that in my own spiritual life, don't, right? Like when, when I am lacking um, purity before God or when I'm lacking uh, a willingness to... Um, 
to cleanse myself and to do honest, hard work of, of gutting out the sin. And I mean, that's what Passover is about, right? Getting rid of the old leaven, right, of, of sin and, and, and having a clean break from the past is am I preparing myself well um, to usher people into God's presence? Am I making myself a living sacrifice to do that? And so I would just encourage any of our listeners out there to take the time to do that because you have some power. You really do. You're leading people. You're shepherding people. You're teaching people about God. And what you do with that power will help them either understand God better and his presence more or be hurt. And I don't want it. I don't want to hurt people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a great example to pull from what was happening with the office of high priest um, during this time period, because it became more about the clout, right? The notoriety, yeah. who got to have the title, who got to be right. in charge. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that still happens today. I mean, there is no yeah. high priest in the temple in Jerusalem right now. Right. Um, sure. But there's a lot of pastor and senior pastor and doctor mm. and professor and a lot of abuses yeah. of power and authority in sure. the offices that people hold. I mean, mm. it doesn't take very long, uh, you know, searching through recent um, news articles or mm-hmm. um, or anything that's been published about incidents in churches. And it's not just specific branches or denominations. I mean, it's not just like it's the, the Roman Catholic Church. You know, there's a right. huge expose last year on uh, the SBC, right, right. having That's its true. own internal problems. And most of the time, what's being abused is not the fact that just some random person happens to do something. The, what makes it such a terrible thing, even beyond just the fact that it is terrible, is it's an abuse mm-hmm. of someone that's supposed to be a shepherd, Right, it's a pastor or it's a ministry leader uh, in some other capacity that's that's causing these issues, that's harming people, and in those cases, what you typically find is it, it is the, much the same thing as with the the office of high priest. It's somebody that they're a pastor because it's power, right? Sure. It's a position of authority. It's a position where you get to tell people here's what you should and should not believe. Here's what you can and cannot do. And there's a lot of people that their personality type even is drawn to that position, not because they know Scripture best, although they typically right. sound like it, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of ministry leaders that I would say, and I'm not a mental health professional, but I would say they exhibit uh, narcissistic traits, right? Once sure. again, because it's that that search for power. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're typically also the ones that they can quote Scripture the best, Right, they're the ones that sound like they know the best. They're the smartest guy in the room, sure. um, but it becomes more about demonstrating what you know and about being smarter or better or holier than somebody else, and about having that power. And so, I think that it is a a real warning as we kind of continue through this series of what the office of high priest had become, and then you know how do we kind of take steps to make sure that we don't fall into that same trap. Right, thinking yes. that, oh, well, I have the power. I'm the ministry leader here. I'm the pastor here. Especially yeah. with youth ministry, it's easy to see because most of the time you're going to be, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus years older than the majority of those that you're overseeing. So you already sure. kind of have this sense of, I'm the I'm the elder. You should already really be listening to me. So we really have to be careful and mindful that we don't fall prey to the same thing of, you know, usurping and abusing this position. Yeah. 
You're absolutely right. And I think there is something within that that is so true because, I mean, I'm sure there's many of our listeners, and I can even say myself included, who've been hurt by someone who is supposed to act as a shepherd, as a pastor. And and quite frankly, like I've had students come to me years later and say, you hurt me. And that I wish I wish so much that I could go back in time and change my heart so that I could treat them differently. But we can only do our best to renew and purify our hearts now. So we're not the shepherd who's hurting people, but actually is caring for people. And I think that starts with a willingness to allow other people in to speak hard truths into our life, to humble ourselves. I mean, quite frankly, and, and you said it, I think, earlier, um, many of those within the Hasmonean dynasty uh, claim the title as king. In fact, Janus even gave himself the title of king. And so there was in this um, higher or holier-than-thou type of attitude that was driving their leadership. And maybe some of us think, well, I deserve the title of youth pastor. They just call me a youth director. And it's like, just love the sheep. You know what I'm saying? Like, just love the sheep. And um, and then uh, let God uh, lift you up, right? Those who humble themselves will be exalted, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And we see that in the Hasmonean dynasty, that that's exactly what happened. And man, I don't want myself to get to the end of this road in loving teenagers in ministry and watch it all crumble because my ego destroyed it. So friends, this has been a fun episode. Hope you learned a thing or two. Um, I picked up a great book called The World of Jesus by William H. Murdy, where I picked up a lot of this information about the Hasmonean dynasty. So I encourage you to pick that one up for yourself. And um, definitely hop on our Facebook page and um, we'd love to get to know you. We'd love to interact with you more about what uh, we're teaching in these podcast episodes and like and share it with your friends. So friends, thanks for joining us for this episode. We'll catch you next time as we kick off our new series on Herod the Great. All right. Thanks friends. We'll see you later. Bye.